Father Benedict Rochelle. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time. Because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? The people you know and trust are on EWTN. The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello, Dr. Ray. I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful profession? Thank you for empowering me. Here's what I think is going on. I think you're a hoot and a half. My idea, my theory, my guidance is a bit of a stretch. I just love your show. Does that comfort you? No. Am I close? No. You are really smart. I am sensitive and understanding and nurturing. Your show to me is like a comedy information show. Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Takes a lot of talent to make someone feel worse when you're trying to make them feel better. You know? Now, contextually speaking, I didn't make her feel worse because what we talked about made her feel worse because it was probably something within her situation that she knew she had to deal with or that she had to learn to ignore. And that can make you feel worse. Reality can make you feel worse. But here's the difference about reality it always wins. So you fight reality, you're going to lose. The sooner you get in line with reality, the better. This is, the doctor is in, this is E-Person Monday. Had to find a way. I get as many email, if not more, than calls. Matter of fact, I I think I get more email than calls. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, People don't want to call. The number one reason is uh, somebody would recognize my voice. Hey, People recognize my voice. It doesn't bother me. I say all kinds of dumb things. Or they'll say, (laughs) this always makes me chuckle. They'll say, I really don't have time to call. Just answer my question now. (laughs) Okay. When you get 300 of them a month, it's a little tough. But we had to find a way to at least address some of them. Some of them I, I, I try to give some quick direction. I answer all of them. I true, I truly do. But, but I, if it's something as little as uh, a referral to a particular therapist or a group or something along those lines, or sometimes it's just a referral to a book, they might say, "Do you have any suggestions for a book's regard a book regarding this particular problem?" All right. So, given that this is E Person Monday, where we will go after your E Persons. Some years ago. I had a family member, young, she's in her 20s, 
take me aside at a, a wedding reception. I don't know how the topic came up, but she said, you and Aunt Randy are among the most judgmental people I know. I looked. I said, have, have we ever said anything to you about what you do or how you do it? Or And she looked at me like, well, no. Okay. So, but we, we are among the most judgmental people you know. Yes. How is that? I know how you think. Okay, you know how we think. Is that judgmental? Yes, because I know you don't approve. And I said, well, whether I approve or not is not relevant to you, especially if I keep my thoughts to myself. Well, I know your thoughts. I know what they are. I know what you're like. What she was doing is something that has become very common now. You can be non-confrontational. You can, be, you can give very little comment about people you know who are acting, living in a certain way. You don't say anything. But they extrapolate from your moral perspective. For example, they may know that you, you want to be a faithful follower of Christ. They may know that you love your Catholic faith. They may know that it's important for you to live a certain way. They leap from that to the idea that in your head, you're putting them down. In your head, you're... You are disapproving of them. You are critiquing them. You feel superior to them. That's what you are. You may be thinking no such thing. You may, in fact, love the way you live, what you believe, and you recognize they don't think that way. They don't live that way. They don't believe that way. You recognize that. You don't shun them. You're very pleasant to them. You're very nice. But for many in our culture, this is, this is a rampant mindset. It doesn't matter that you don't speak critically or judgmentally or correctively. That doesn't matter. Because you think it. And I know you think it. And you're not supposed to think it. You're supposed to celebrate and applaud and condone what I do. And I know you don't. It was interesting. I, <clears throat> If she wants to accuse me of that, that's why my, my wife, jeez, oh, my wife would not even be remotely close to that. But yet, this relative was so absolutely convinced that we just... Like moral hawks watched over her, looked for reasons to disapprove of her, looked for reasons to just cluck our tongues and recognize she was such a moral degenerate. That was all in her head, completely in her head. And she projected it onto us. 
And at the end of that conversation, I made no headway. Even if I said, so you think because we hold certain beliefs, certain moral stances, that we're putting you down. Yes. So how would we not put you down? Well, I think you need to recognize that what I do is my business and what you do is your business. And what if I told you that's how I saw it? Well, you don't come across that way. But you, you already said I never say anything. I don't roll my eyes. I don't, I don't give you nonverbal cues that we're kind of disgusted with what you do. I, I don't, I, I, you already said we don't do that. And she tap danced around it because she really had no answers. The bottom line was this. If you don't think the way I live and act is every bit as good as the way you live or act, in God's eyes, that is, then you're judgmental. We have to equate. The fact that you're married and I live with my boyfriend is no different. No different at all. I live with my boyfriend. By the way, this child was raised Catholic. She's since abandoned the faith. Which typically happens, by the way. When when morality clashes with the way somebody wants to live, they usually jettison the whole thing. They jettison the whole ball of wax, get rid of the faith itself. That, and I knew this phenomenon was out there, but it just revealed to me up close and personal that oftentimes when people accuse you of being judgmental, it is because you don't think like they do. You don't have to say a word. Matter of fact, you could be one of the nicest people in their lives, but there will still be those insecure people who will decide that you are being morally superior because of the way you look at life. You're not allowed. Irony is that, and I didn't bring this up because that would have just caused more problems, but I could have said, well, doesn't, doesn't it seem to you like you're judging us? Because we're, we're not allowed to think and live the way we do because if we if we do we're 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 wrong isn't isn't that judgmental you're not accepting how we choose to live our lives i didn't say that that conversation was going in a bad enough direction as it was okie dokie enough of that i'm dr ray when we come back let's see what i got on the hook here Oh, oh, yeah, road rage. Road rage. The only cure for road rage totally is don't drive. But we'll talk about it because Joseph has this question. I'm Dr. Ray. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. 
The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. If you believe in the power of prayer, Ave Maria Radio invites you to look at their website to submit a prayer request at AveMariaRadio.net. Your prayer requests are shared with hundreds at the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Servants of God's Love, the Monastery of the Blessed Sacrament Cloistered Nuns, the Family of Faith Apostolate, and the staff of Ave Maria Radio. Just go to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the Community tab to submit your prayer request today. This program underwritten by The Incredible True Story is now a powerful, uplifting motion picture event. Fatima. In 1917, the world needed hope when three children received a miracle. Who are you? I come from heaven. Fatima has now been endorsed by the Shrine of Fatima, featuring the original song Grazia Plena, performed by Andrea Bocelli. Fatima, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now in theaters and on demand. Speaking two to four hundred words a minute with gusts up to eight hundred. Dr. Ray Garendi, an elite member of Catholic Media's SWAT team, stopping whining and tantrums. All right, let's go to it. Road rage. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, that's really kind of an exaggerated term, isn't it? When you think of rage. Think of an out-of-control emotional upheaval. Rage. I mean, rage is a strong word. But we call it rolled rage. Why? Because, well, we speak in hyperbolic ways. Somebody behind you is leaning on their horn. Well, we call it rolled rage, but he's basically leaning on his horn. Here's what uh, Joseph asks. What is the correct... Now, right, right off the bat... I'm a little nervous about using the word correct Christian response, as though there's something kind of written down. Well, now, there's better ways and worse ways to road rage. Quite often, I am first in line at a red light or a stop sign. And the driver behind me repeatedly leans on their horn for me to turn right on red. I'll do this if it is safe. They don't seem to care if it's safe. After all, (laughs) here's where the personalization is coming in. It is only I and the approaching driver who will get hit or injured, not them. So what do they care? It is so difficult to not react to their rude arrogance. Joseph, in your comment, in your e-person, you have given me the answer. Well, first of all, if you want to use the word correct regarding a Christian response, it's to ignore it. 
if you give the person a dirty look or some kind of hand gesture or do whatever you can do, you know, you tap your brake lights to make it seem like you're going to stop, you don't know how much that's going to antagonize them. I was on the interstate recently, and I saw two drivers, young males, young males. Uh, they were they were dangerous what they were doing to each other. Now, apparently, somebody cut somebody off miles back, and this is still going on here. So I just backed way off because they were putting at risk a whole lot of people. Where's a steady when you need one? So the, the first response is to just not act. Now, does that mean you won't feel a surge of anger yourself? Does that mean you won't feel agitated? Does that mean you won't feel the impulse to do something? No, you you may very well. But that doesn't have to translate into doing anything about it. If the driver pulls up side of you and tries to give you a dirty look and keeps looking and keeps looking at you, just stare straight ahead and drive. Don't turn and look because that's a challenge to some guys. And you know what else I've noticed? It's a challenge to some women, too. One of the things I've noticed in our culture's push to make males and females equal in every respect is that I've seen more ladies nasty behind the wheel than I ever did. I don't want to say it's 50-50, but it's... uh, It's getting closer. Now, what else do I have to say about this? Well, first of all, you personalized it, Joseph. You said it. After all, it is only I and the approaching driver who will get hit or injured, not them, so what do they care? So you went from interpreting their behavior as impatience. Come on, come on, come on, pops, let's go to one of, they could care less about my well-being. You just ratcheted up the input for you to be agitated. This is, this is no longer somebody who's saying, come on, come on, get gone. This is somebody who's saying, I could care less if you get broadsided by a truck. Well, that's a, that's a quick way to get angry. If you impute motives like that to them, I view it as, first of all, there's a three-step process in this. The first step is the easiest. I will not respond in any way as though I am being affected by what you just did to push on me. I won't turn the corner slow so you have to get more agitated. Or I won't pull straight ahead and go really slow so you you can't get around me. No, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to drive normal. And if you get on my tail, I'm not going to pump my brakes. Just back you off. I'm just going to drive and I'm going to act like you're not there is what I'm going to do. Practically speaking, I don't want to provoke you. I don't know what kind of nutcase is driving that car. That's one. Two, I don't want to impute to that driver more than they're just being a jerk. They're being a jerk. It's all so important that they they get to where they're going in six seconds quicker. So I'm not going to do that. Three, 
I kind of feel sorry for him. Think about it. If if they have to be this agitated because somebody doesn't turn right as quickly as they want them to, can you imagine how badly they deal with the real stuff of life? Think about it. I wouldn't want to be them. Dear Lord, bless them, calm them down. Now, I may not feel that prayer, but as long as I say it, it still counts. I was headed somewhere, and I pulled off the limited access highway to a very unfamiliar intersection. This particular intersection, now, you know as well as I do that 99% of the time when you, when you pull off an off-ramp, there's a stop sign there. You yield to the cross traffic. For whatever the reason, this particular intersection, the cross traffic stopped, and I didn't. Well, I slowed down, and, and I looked. I was, I was kind of confused. Immediately, immediately, the driver behind me started screaming and yelling and leaning on the horn and giving me signals that I kind of recognized. So I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just turn now, go, and I'll turn. Two-lane highway, four-lane highway, so the driver pulled up beside me at the next light. Looked over. Now, normally, I would just ignore this provocation. But it was... A frail-looking, elderly woman, somewhere in her 70s. Either that or she was somewhere in her 50s, and living her life with that kind of agitation made her, made her get old fast. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said it. It was summer. It was cool. Both of our windows were down. And I said, boy, you you got a temper for a little lady. Now, at that point, she said, I'm sorry, you're right, you're right, I shouldn't have acted that way. Maybe you didn't know that intersection. That is not what she said. She got even nastier. So I learned a lesson. Just shut up, Raymond. Don't say anything. Pull up at the light, look straight ahead. Don't turn, because she was glaring at me. Like, I committed some kind of terrible sin because I slowed down at that intersection, being confused that the cross traffic had to stop, and I didn't. Now, did I, how angry was I? Uh, I realized after we pulled away, I said to myself, let it go, Ray. Just let it go. Can you imagine what her life is like if she has to get that agitated? And besides, I knew something else, too. I didn't know if this lady was on the very beginnings of dementia. And as a result, her governor was slipping. And as a result, she was much more quick to get agitated in social situations where otherwise she would control herself. I didn't know that. I couldn't know that. So I told myself, let it go, Ray. She got mad. You didn't do anything wrong. Drive on, my friend. Joseph, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, let me see if I can start another one here. Where are we at? Okay, got that. 
let's go back right there. My daughter and son-in-law have been married 10 years. They have a boy and girl twins, seven and a boy, five. Mason, the twin boy, often shows signs of disrespect to adults. Okay, stop right there. Stop right there. When a kid is disrespectful to adults, all too often we look at the child and say, why are they so disrespectful? Much If not most of the time, it is because the child is not being taught and disciplined to be respectful. Some kids will run with it. Some kids will just be disrespectful because it comes natural to them. Others, uh, they don't have the temperament to push that hard. But to, to look at the child and say, he is disrespectful, the more accurate thing to say is, I am allowing him to be disrespectful with impunity. No, Dr. Ray, no, 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 we discipline. Yes, but if you're like many of the parents I deal with, you do, but it's nowhere near consistent enough and nowhere near predictable enough. No, sir, Dr. Ray, no, sir, every time, every time. Well, I'll tell you, in cases like that, that's less than 5%, and if it is, I'm gonna look at other factors. I'm going to continue with this because there's more to it when we come back on this E-Person Monday. Call to Communion. Three AWTN Radio, we talk to audiences all over the world. One thing I've found out is everybody in the whole world has the same set of questions. They live the same human life. They all want meaning. They all want love. They all want significance. They want forgiveness. That's the most fascinating thing to me. The same answers work wherever you are throughout the world because we're all children of God. Called to Communion with Dr. David Anders. This afternoon, 2 Eastern on EWTN Radio. The breadth of power that liberal governors such as Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan and Andrew Cuomo in New York seek to wield against private citizens during this current pandemic is frightening. Contrary to their views, our federal constitutional rights don't go away in an emergency. These governors feel only a nominal constraint by our Constitution, as evidenced by the restrictions they have imposed on our liberty. Under the banner of public health, they believe that their power is plenary and that the Constitution has little role, if any, in curtailing that power. They are mistaken. Indeed, there is no pandemic exception to the fundamental liberties guaranteed by the Constitution. If the courts, and more importantly, we the people who ultimately control the fate of these politicians at the ballot box, were to simply accept the governor's actions and acquiesce to their power grab, then it is the fiat of the governors and not the Constitution that is the supreme law of the land. We aren't willing to surrender our freedoms so easily. We filed multiple federal civil rights lawsuits against both governors in federal courts in Michigan and New York. In the final analysis, if we don't demand our God-given inalienable rights, then they will be lost. Fight for freedom or lose it. It's that simple. I'm Robert Muse, co-founder and senior counsel of the American Freedom Law Center, bringing you this Faith and Freedom Minute. 
You can learn more about the American Freedom Law Center and its fight for your faith and freedom by visiting our website and liking us on Facebook. Dr. Ray Garendi, boldly going where no brain has gone before. You know, I just realized as I said that, probably the majority of people listening to this program were not born when the TV series intro, boldly going where no man has gone before. That was back when you could say man. Okay, now you'd have to say boldly going where no person has gone before, boldly going where no male and female have gone before, but that was the original Star Trek, 1967, 53 years ago. So those of you under 53, you weren't even born when Gene Roddenberry, the producer, creator of Star Trek, described the, these are the voyages of the USS Enterprise, its five-year mission to seek out new life to explore strange new civilizations, to boldly go where no man is going. You know, it's amazing that I remember that. For heaven's sakes, I can't remember sometimes who the state rep is. But I remember that. That's that's sad. All right. This is E-Person Money, and I started on this E-Person before the break. Quick recap. My daughter and son-in-law have been married 10 years. Boy, girls, uh, twins, seven, boy, five. The twin boy, which must be seven, shown signs of disrespect. Okay, and I talked about that. Uh, Kids, let me put it this way. That's That's a dumb thing to say, isn't it? Let me put it this way. It's as though I'm asking your permission to allow me to speak a certain way. You know what that is? That's when you don't know what to say and you're stalling for time. If you listen to interviewers, they do this all the time. I know I'm diverging here, but... They'll say, let me ask you this. Well, here's a question for you. You don't have to say that because the question is coming. Let me start with you rather than just simply saying, Joseph, why do you believe? You know, never mind. Okay, so he shows signs of disrespect. Most kids will be disrespectful if you let them. It is an unusual child who will be naturally pleasant and respectful all the time to grown-ups. Why? Well, because grown-ups stand in the way of what they want, what kids want. So, naturally, we're going to provoke agitation, anger, upset, emotions. But when a parent... See, this is the danger here, and I don't know how we got to this point in our child-rearing mindset. We look at the child and say, that child is disrespectful. As opposed to saying, what am I doing that is feeding into this level of disrespect? Why am I allowing this? Why is my discipline inconsistent or weak? Okay, let me go on. Grandma says, I will list several examples when I have been with my grandson. If not given a second snack after dinner, he screams and goes crazy. Now, this is a seven-year-old. This is not a two-year-old. This is a seven-year-old, which tells me 
that he's gotten pretty used to getting a second snack. Or he rants and raves until he gets one, at least part of the time. Now, a simple rule here would be, you throw a little fit because you don't get a snack, Mason, you're not getting a snack for the next week. That's a simple rule. That would totally take care of this quote-unquote disrespect. It would. Why wouldn't a parent do that? Well, because. Because tomorrow he'll throw a fit again. That's right. And we reset the clock. Now it's still another week. He didn't earn a day off. Okay, let me keep continuing. Uh, here's what Grandma said. You ready? I didn't, I didn't know this was coming. I read this back when. This is an older E-person. Here's what Grandma said. I gave in because I didn't want to hear one of his rants. In other words, he repeats rants. Recently on a cruise. Now keep in mind, when you go on a cruise or you go to Disney World, you've got all kinds of leverage. You've got all kinds of leverage because this is one good activity after another. This is one perk after another. For a seven-year-old and you go to the buffet and all he's allowed to have is green beans? Come on! Recently on a cruise, he refused to attend the dinner and group entertainment with his siblings. And then he had to accompany his parents on their dinner date. You see what they did? He yielded to him again. But he's not going to go. I remember reading, no, sorry, watching a trilogy on, um, what was the name of that program with um, Rod Serling? Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone Trilogy. It was remade back in the 80s or 90s. And this kid was about seven or eight, and he was a tyrant. And all the adults around him just gave into him because they just didn't want to deal with his tyrant behavior. This past summer, on family vacation, there we go. Another one of these things where this kid wouldn't get any of the perks of vacation if he's not cooperative. Mason gave his dad total while mom was gone with the family shopping. Wait a minute. I'm so confused. I am so confused. How is it that Mason is indeed giving his dad all this kind of grief on a family vacation and being allowed to get away with it? Ooh. Approximately this tirade went on for one hour. You know, dad could have looked at the kid and said, you know, I'm starting to time you, son. For every five minutes this goes on, that's five privileges you're going to lose on this vacation. There have been many times when he decides he doesn't want to participate in any school activity. Lately on your show, EWTN, she's speaking to the uh, TV show, you recommended that parents stay out of speaking to their adult children about how they are raising our grandchildren. Well, now... See here, Carol, This you've answered your question, which is you're, you're seeing that the parents are allowing old Mason to be totally out of control at age seven. You're seeing that. Mason is probably not this kind of kid. He sure looks like this kind of kid because of the way he acts, and that's the danger. People will look at a kid like Mason and say, what is wrong with him? Oppositional defiant disorder, intermittent, intermittent explosive personality. What is with this kid? Well, there's a very good chance nothing is with this kid. The problem is what the parents are doing or not doing to stop this. 
You're right, Carol. You can't say anything. Because if their discipline is weak or erratic or yielding or permissive or nothing but words, you're, you, you can't say anything. So unless they come to you and say, we can't live with this kid anymore, Mom, help, then you say, you want my opinion? Yes? Okay, sign this form. I'll have a copy in my attorney's office. She says, I'm very worried that Mason's behavior will certainly escalate as he gets older. And rightfully, you should be, Carol, because that's typically the trajectory. I see a very destructive pattern continuing. Yeah, and that pattern can only be changed by the parents. And the problem is, if they don't want to hear your input in dealing with him, then they're going to have to find out on their own at some point they need to make some changes. How does one describe Christ's relationship to his church? The Catholic Catechism says Christ is one with his church. He is the head, we are the members. Head and members together make up the whole body of Christ. Head and members form, as it were, one and the same mystical person. St. Joan of Arc put it very simply to her judges. She said, About Jesus Christ and the church, I simply know they're just one thing. We shouldn't complicate the matter. The Catechism also refers to the imagery of the bridegroom, the theme of Christ as the bridegroom of the church as two in one relationship. Just as in marriage, two become one flesh, the church is portrayed as the spotless bride of the spotless lamb. Christ has joined the church with himself in an everlasting covenant. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Father Benedict Groeschel. I usually am operating on the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I don't feel well, even when I'm annoyed, when I'm down and out. During my recovery from the automobile accident, immense numbers of people wrote to me and sent me emails, 50,000, and they told me how helpful they thought my talks on EWTN were to them. I'm delighted, but I want you to know I'm nobody's fool. The talks that were helpful, the sentences that were helpful, the phrases that were helpful came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the styrofoam packaging came from me. I did that. And styrofoam doesn't amount to very much. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Giving you a ray medial psychological education. A little bit of broadcast sedation. I'm Dr. Ray Grady. Thank you for joining me here on this Doctor Is In, our Monday edition, generally the Monday edition, E-Person Monday. All right, so let's go to this one. This is from Kathy. We are Catholic. My daughter's fiancé is Protestant. When they started dating, he would come to church with us. 
They are 20 years old. When they got engaged, they told us they would wait to get married until they were finished with college, about three years from now. That quickly changed. They want to get married this year. We requested that at the least they talk with our priest and go to pre-Cana. They're concerned about the dispensation and saying they will raise their children Catholic because they want their children to make their own decision about the religion. All right, so what the kids are saying is, we don't want to say we're going to raise the kids Catholic because we want to let our 7-year-old decide. That's right. He's going to decide if he wants to eat green beans or he wants to eat chocolate cake. Or if he wants to wear clothes or he doesn't. Or if he wants to do his math problems or he doesn't. Those are things he should all decide. And then he can just decide about religion, too, because you know these things when you're 7 and 9 and 10 and 12. Uh, see, see, see. Anyway, since moving their wedding up two years, they moved into an apartment together near campus. And when I asked the mother-in-law to talk to them about this, she said she couldn't because she thought they should move out together. So mother-in-law-to-be says, I don't see a problem with this, which gives you some insight into the son's view. I doubt that he is not all that concerned about Catholic morality. <clears throat> now, when he wanted to win over your daughter, he said, I'll go to church till we, till we kind of get this relationship gone. And then, and then. All right, so uh, let's see where we're at here. Uh, I was then accused of making the fiancé, the boy, physically sick with my dislike. Probably because I said something to the effect that living together before marrying was scandalous. Well, it is, kind of, sort of, but he's looking at you like, what are you talking about? I don't follow your moral system. I'm not committing a scandal. See, here's where I think, Carol, you got to be careful. You, you, you know what your morals are. Your daughter knows what your morals are. You raised her. You raised her for 20 years. She knows how you think. She knows what you taught her. She knows what you believe, morally speaking. She's got all this. So to the degree that you push on this, she doesn't agree with it. Obviously, clearly. They didn't want to wait to get married. They wanted to move in together. They don't want to get married in a Catholic church. So all of this, I don't want to raise my kids Catholic. Let them decide what they want to be. So all of this is her saying, Mom, I'm doing it my way. Now, the next part of this E-person raises the question, what are you going to do about it? Let's go on here. My daughter moved out. Okay, I don't know why she did, but she moved out. And is paying her rent while we pay for her schooling and wedding. Okay. The daughter is... Not getting married in the church. Not going to raise kids Catholic. More than likely going to go in the direction of the fiancé's religion or marginal religion or no religion. You're paying for the wedding. That's right. You can do that. I'm just wondering about that. 
We are now about six months away from the wedding. They have not contacted the priest, even with prompting from us. Carol, stop prompting. They're giving you a message. Mom, we don't want to do it your way. So no matter what you tell us, stop it. And I'm telling you, here's what you're risking. The fiancé probably already doesn't like you. He thinks you're this kind of moral prude. Now, I'm not saying you are. You have your beliefs, of course. And I just happen to agree that they are God's way. But he doesn't think that. And apparently, his mother doesn't think that. And apparently, you made him, quote, unquote, physically ill. Do you know what he's telling you? He's telling you, I don't like you. So you're going to have to back way off because otherwise, your daughter's probably going to slowly not have much contact with you. We've been paying for most of the wedding. Okay, why is that? And I'm considering not paying anything else until they contact the priest. No, no, no. That wouldn't be my suggestion. My suggestion would be you consider not paying for anything else independent of whether they contact the priest or not. Because what's going to happen is they're going to view you as intrusive and manipulative. Even if you're not. Because what's happening is this relationship is deteriorating already. You can see it. Your 20-year-old daughter, unfortunately, is doing what an awful lot of 20-year-olds do nowadays. They reject the faith. And so their parents are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not how we raise you. And she's saying, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to do what I want. But give me your money, Mom. By the way, pay for my wedding, would you? Okay. Of course, I don't want to be the bad mother of the bride. But then again, I don't even know if they really will be married According to our beliefs. Well, I think I can speculate on that, Carol. I don't think they will. She's already told you. She doesn't want to follow your beliefs. She lived with the guy. She doesn't want to raise the kids Catholic. He's not going to become Catholic. The mother-in-law-to-be doesn't care for you because you made her son sick. Ah, It's already clear. All right. <laughs> if not, if they are not married according to and you say according to your beliefs, but they're not their beliefs. What are we celebrating? Well, that's the question. And why are we funding it? That's the question. Of course, you have every right to say, we're not paying for this wedding. Come on, you're not even getting married in the church. You're Catholic. You're rejecting your faith. No, I'm not paying for it. And of course, what will happen is son-in-law won't like you even further. Mother-in-law won't be convinced you're just this judgmental, ridiculous church prude. And your daughter will probably, eh, she may still have contact with you, but I think she'll kind of drift toward that direction. I want to be happy for them, but there is some sadness that they won't celebrate a church wedding. Well, I I would think that too. The (laughs) grandfather, here it is, the grandfather of the groom is going to marry them. (laughs) okay it's crazy because many of my friends children and even some of my friends haven't gotten married but live together yep i know it under age 35 more live together than are married how do we get them to go and talk to the priests you don't you don't carol you've tried you'll make them further resist you and pull away from you you got to do damage control I'm sad that they don't elevate this marriage to a sacrament. Well, rightfully so. 
But at this point, you have to decide if you choose to marry as you wish, to have your own celebration as you wish. Uh, we might pay for the rehearsal dinner, but we're not, we're not paying for this wedding. You have decided as adults that this is what you want to do. Okay. You can do that. I will, quote unquote, respect it. But that doesn't mean I have to financially underwrite it. I'm Dr. Ray. Solidarity HealthShare began out of the Christian tradition of neighbor helping neighbor. They're a nonprofit medical cost-sharing ministry in which their members share in each other's eligible medical expenses. Solidarity HealthShare is not insurance, but rather an alternative way to pay for medical costs that adheres to the teachings of the Catholic Church. They'll never share in a medical care that goes against their values and morals, such as abortion, contraception, and sterilization. More information available at SolidarityHealthShare.org or at 844-313-4999. Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. We just did our parish mission a couple weeks ago now, and I suggested that in the course of the mission that we do something like a, a little mini spiritual assessment of our lives. I don't have to show this to anybody, but a great chance for us just to, with real honesty, just between us and Jesus, ask ourselves some questions. First question, given the fact that half of Catholics don't think God is even personal, would be to ask ourselves that. Do I think God is personal? And then to ask myself, do I think a relationship with Jesus is possible? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? And if so, what's it look like? And then perhaps a little bit more awkwardly or painfully to ask Jesus from his perspective, what's the friendship that we have with him look like? How would he describe our friendship with him? That might be a hard conversation to have. Hi there, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. Research shows that when families openly live and share their faith together, they're more able to respond positively to the challenges they face every day. So if you're looking for help in creating that joyful place where each member of your family experiences life as a gift from God, then you will want to check out our book, Discovering God Together, the Catholic Guide for Raising Faithful Kids. You can find this book on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. to hurry on this one on this e-person Monday here. Dear Dr. Ray, this is quote-unquote Mary. Well, it's not Mary, um, but that's the name she used. I wanted to get back to you after a year of sitting with your thoughts. I'm one of the myriad of parents who have called you in a distressed state regarding their adult children. My son is living in another state with his girlfriend. My daughter lives at home, and I feel like I need to police her in order to keep her from retreating back into the lifestyle she fell into in college. I'll not lie, it's not been easy. Recently, you quoted your wife to a D.C. dad. Quote, I will not let my adult children take away my joy. End quote. I love that line and would love to get your wife's number. Hey, half the stuff I say comes from my wife. I don't give her enough credit for it, though. Seriously, though, Dr. Gray, I hate what I'm going through. So she, she makes a number of observations, and then that she brings us to date. 
over the year, I've spoken less to my son about his choices, leaving the church, living with his girlfriend. He's pulled back further from us, opting not to come home for Christmas and Easter, which were our minimum requirements. You know, Mary, I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I don't require my children to do anything as adults regarding me. I'll give you a small example. My son was in Korea. He's just got back a couple days ago. He's got, he's got leave coming up. I did not say, are you coming home for leave? When are you going to come home? I didn't say it. If he wants to come home, he'll come home. I gain nothing by saying, you need to do this. That's the way I look at it. We recently visited my son, and he barely spent time with us. After a recent visit home, he told us that is he, afraid, we, he is afraid we will not be kind to his girlfriend if he brought her home. Well, Mary, I'm going to tell you. you got to tell him, I will be totally kind to your girlfriend. I will treat her with all the respect I treat you. Now, I don't know if he'll believe you, because maybe you got a history there of having some comments, conflicts, things that have gone on. If you got started on a bad footing, sometimes it's really hard to reverse that. Nonetheless, she goes on. We've not been too keen on the idea of them coming to visit together because my desire is for the relationship to end. See, there you go. You can't do that. He's going to choose her over you. And if you say, we really don't like this relationship, and you don't even have to say it. You have to just act it. We really don't like this relationship. This is not what we would want for you. She knows that, and therefore he's going to say, I'm not bringing her home to that. I don't know how you're going to act. You're going to have to fake it. If you want to see your son, if you want to repair that relationship, you're going to have to be nice. Oh, okay. Uh, I have moved on from this. But his continuing to snub his family is so hurtful. Well, it's hurtful. It is, but, but you can make it a lot worse, Mary. You need to look at yourself and say, what am I doing, if anything? Maybe it's only 12% you, but that's the only 12% you can work on. What am I doing to make them feel unwelcome? What is it? How do I change it? I'm not condoning their living together. I'm not happy about this relationship, but I can't do anything about it. He's an adult. Okay, I'm going to continue. As mom, I do not want to abandon him, but I don't know how to manage this on a practical day-to-day level. Well, yeah, you do. You treat him and her as kind as you can. That's what you do. Do we stop inviting him so he cannot turn us down anymore? Well, if he keeps turning you down, you do stop inviting him. But every so often you might try it again, but you don't do it anywhere near as much. And for sure, don't give the old, well, you know, we haven't seen you, and you don't come over here hardly at all anymore. Where are your parents? Wait, don't. That ain't going to work. It's not going to work. Do we stop sending updates on life back home? So maybe it will spark a little nostalgia for him? Yeah, I would stop. I'd probably just say things like, hope everything's going well for you. Tell Tiffany or whatever her name is. We said hi. and hope you guys are doing well. I feel like I'm cutting him out of our life more and more just to stop him from cutting us out. Well, it's the old, well, you're going to do this to us. We're going to do it to you. You're the one who is the Christian. You're the one who is the one who says, I'm going to treat you nice no matter how you treat me. He doesn't follow those same guidelines. He doesn't. This is a downward spiral. Well, it is and it isn't, Mary. You can do a lot to stop this thing. 
You may not have him all be wonderful towards you and just decide, my mom and dad are great people again. No, but you can stop it from making it worse. What's clear is that you're so distressed about him living with his girlfriend and about the fact that she is a girl you wouldn't approve of that he knows it. He doesn't want to come around because he just figures, ah, more of the same, whatever we get. And if you say to me, well, no, Dr. Ray, we're not doing that. Well, that's good. Then keep not doing it. We got to run. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Doctor's Inn. I'm Doctor A. Uh, tomorrow, good Lord permitting, we will we will talk ear to ear. Walk with God. Hold your kids tightly by the hand. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. This is Cy Kellett from Catholic Answers Live. Hope it's a good day for a hot dog. Have a blessed and safe Labor Day weekend from all of us at EWTN Radio. Hello, Journey Home family. Next time, we'll welcome Matt and Elizabeth Akers to the program. Matt and Elizabeth were deeply committed Anglicans who, after study and prayer, became convinced that they needed to become Catholic. So share the journey next time on EWTN's The Journey Home. The Journey Home with Marcus Grodi is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. Join us tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on EWTN Radio and Television. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. The Faith and Freedom Minute explores the intersection of our Catholic faith and modern American culture offering insights to understand and navigate the divide between secular viewpoints and our Catholic principles. Brought to you by the Knights of Columbus, here's past State Deputy for Texas, Douglas Oldmixon. In an Advent essay, Aaron Weldon at the U.S. Bishops Committee for Religious Liberty explores the connection between religious freedom and the search for truth. When we think of religious freedom, we tend to think of civil rights and governmental activity. But he reminds us that all humans have both a right and a duty to search for truth. And when we find it, we are bound to conduct our lives in accord with it. When the search for truth is ignored, compromised, attacked, or even prohibited, an inherent human right is diminished or even extinguished. Increasingly, this describes a society many of us are experiencing more frequently these days. So what are we to do? As Catholics and as Knights of Columbus... We will steadfastly proclaim and uphold the principles we know to be true and will celebrate the example of those who refuse to compromise on these matters of conscience. Will you join us? This has been the Knights of Columbus Faith and Freedom Minute. To learn more about the effective witness and practical works of the world's largest Catholic family organization, please visit our website at tkfc.org. That's tkofc.org. Are you connected? 
Hi, Joe McLean here, the Director of Mission Development for the GRN, and I am super excited about 2020. It's our 20-year anniversary, and we are rolling out new digital tools to include a new website, a podcast catalog, upgrades to our mobile app, and more. A great way for you to stay up-to-date and connected is by joining the GRN text list. You can do that today for free at grnonline.com forward slash text. This is 89.7 FM KJMA Radio, Floresville, San Antonio. Also online at grnonline.com. We don't mess with the truth. Hear it, love it, live it. 